So this morning we are continuing on with our series Generation to Generation, talking about growing our faith, passing our faith on through the generations. Last week, if you remember, we talked some about the fact that we are commissioned. We were listening to uh, Moses speak to the people of God, telling them, giving them the Shema or the Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and I'm then commanding us, commissioning us to share this faith, to pass this faith on to our children. And we talked about it last week of how all of us are commissioned. Obviously, those of us who are parents and who have our kids sitting with us in Sunday or in, in worship, um, we are commissioned. But I was, as I was hearing, I mean, we were talking about it last week, that this commission is for all of us, the whole church, that your kids or our kids, I hear uh, Moses speaking to the whole people of God, that my children, I look forward to you as a church encouraging them in faith, to challenging them, to teaching them, to modeling faith for them. I rely on you. All of us as parents, we all rely on the church to help our kids grow in faith. And so we were talking some about that last week. And I need to give credit to, I realized I forgot to mention this, that a lot of what I've been working through here is actually from a talk, from a, a workshop that I did this last summer at Family Camp at Covenant Bay. And one of the books that I used to develop that whole material was Wayne Rice's book, Generation to Generation. Um, so if you're interested in that, uh, let me know. I can get you that book. It's a study uh, for, uh, for people, uh, parents or grandparents, to... Um, to talk about, to think about how we pass our faith on. And I just realized, uh, Tracy, would you mind helping me? Would you, there's that box out there with the stuff. I realized I forgot to bring that in, those books. Thank you. So today we're going to be moving to the next, uh, say the next word, the next part of this discussion. And it goes from commission to commitment. Talking about how our commitment to grow in our own faith as well as grow the faith of our kids is central to us encouraging our kids in faith. You can just sit there, I'll grab it. Thank you. Thanks. It's a commitment for us to grow in our faith. It's a commitment for us to encourage our kids in faith. You see, uh, the many of you who've had kids who've grown up, you realize, and I realize it too, even with my young sons, that they don't look through my habits and my priorities, they don't look through it and know like, oh, well, dad's bad habit here is one I don't want to do. Oh, and his good one here, that's the one I want to do. They don't tend to make those decisions. They just tend to follow our example. Or even worse, I don't know how many of you feel like they tend to ignore all of our good habits, all the things we try to teach them, and they tend to pick up on all the times we mess up or all the things that we wish they wouldn't pick up. I see Corbin um, picking up Tracy's bad habits all the time. No, I'm just sorry. <laughs> but I see them. One of the things I realize is I get overwhelmed easily. And when I get overwhelmed, I easily lose my temper. And I see that in my sons. And I didn't teach that to them, not purposely. I didn't say, okay, sons, when you get overwhelmed, it's okay to be angry and to yell at each other. I didn't teach them that. They just pick it up from me. Our kids pick up our priorities. They pick up what we model, the way we live our lives, whether we want them to or whether we don't. We are constantly modeling for our kids. As a church, 
you are constantly modeling for my children, for the children of our church, the Ringheim's children, the Bernhardt's children, the Hansel's children. You're constantly modeling for them what it looks like to be a part of a church. Even when you think, well, I'm not on duty today, Jason. (laughs) Yes, you are. As a church, every time we gather, we are on duty for our kids. Modeling to them what it looks like to gather on Sunday, to put Jesus as a priority, to gather together to worship him. It's a commitment on the part of the whole church. The question is, will we be modeling good things for our children or will we be modeling bad things for our children? And the last thing we want to do is roll the dice and hope they pick up the good stuff and ignore the bad stuff. We want to be purposeful. We want to be intentional. We want to make sure that we are modeling good faith for our kids, the kids of our church. And so this morning we're going to be talking some about commitment, about our commitment to continue to grow our own faith. And I'll be talking some about that, how that is the most important way, the best way that we encourage our kids is by having a good faith of our own, but also by a commitment to mentoring and to apprenticing our children in faith. It's one thing to teach them, absolutely teach them, teach them theology, teach them about Jesus, but we have to mentor them too. We have to apprentice them. Many of you have worked in trades, and you know you can tell someone, you can have someone read a book on how to make a cabinet or how to weld metal together or how to build a house. They can read a book on it, and you can tell them the theory of of that, but it's not until they work alongside you, until you apprentice them, they really begin to understand how to do it. We as the church must apprentice our children in faith so that they know what it looks like to follow Jesus. Last week I've been reading Joshua, uh, Joshua uh, chapter 24. It's a great example. It's near the end of his life. He's gathered Israel together and he's recounting God's work. And these are his final words. And if you will, open up your Bibles to Joshua 24. Or if you want to just use the insert, the bulletin insert. I realize I forgot mine. Thanks. Let's read this passage together. Joshua 24, verses 14 to 15. So he says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw, the way, throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. been reflecting on this passage some. And I've learned quite a bit from it, some insights. One of the first things I realized is that we have choices of who we are going to follow. That whole first part of that passage, or most of that passage, is about the choices we have. Who are we going to follow? The gods that our fathers, forefathers worshipped in Egypt, or the Amorites, or the one true God. See, it's interesting because the Amorites, just that's just one of the people that were mentioned, that they had a, a kind of a two-party God. 
They had Amaru, who was the god of the mountains, and they had Balitseri, who was the goddess of the desert, and they were like the mother and father of gods to them. And these were the gods that the people around them worshipped, and there was temptation to worship those same gods. Today, we don't have, most of you, I don't think, are tempted by some other deity, some other god to worship. Most of us are tempted more by priorities, the gods of our secular culture. The gods of our culture, like the god of wealth, the god of comfort, the god of success, the god of addiction, the god of hobbies, the god of escape. These are the gods of the culture around us the God of safety at all costs. Take a minute, just take it for a second and think, what gods are you tempted to worship? What gods are you tempted to prioritize above Jesus? I know I'm tempted by comfort, by security. Oh, Lord you wouldn't possibly ask me to do that because that wouldn't be very comfortable or very safe. Which gods are you tempted by in our culture? Today, I am calling us to recommit here this morning to recommit to the Lord our God, to our Lord Jesus Christ to put him above everything else. Jesus told the parable of the four soils. Many of you remember it, how Sorrow went and scattered seed. And one of those soils was a soil that had weeds growing up in it. I think uh, in North American culture, that is probably the most prevalent soil we face. Jesus sounds wonderful. Yeah, who wouldn't want eternal life, life more full, forgiveness of sin? It all sounds great. Sure, I'll take some of that. And then the weeds start popping up. Oh, but I can't, I don't really have time for that because I'm busy with other stuff or my job is really important, making money, getting ahead. Other priorities sneak in and they choke out the seed. They choke out the wheat that is growing up. We as a people have to keep coming back, to keep encouraging each other to recommit our lives to Jesus, to following him above every priority. So I hear, that's something I hear in this passage. I hear Joshua saying, as for me, we are going to commit to following the Lord above all the other idols. We're recognizing that there are choices, that we have to name the choices. Because if we don't talk about it, it can be so easily seep into our lives. Because everybody around us is living by these other gods. Everybody else around us is living by what feels good, what feels comfortable, what's more fun, what's more enjoyable, or at least in that moment. We need to keep coming back to Jesus. 
So we have choices. That's what I'm realizing in this passage. And our kids have choices, and we have to keep modeling for them a good choice. I also realize, too, that we inherit our priorities. There are inherited priorities. Just read this passage again. He's talking about, said, Now fear the Lord and serve him with faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day who you will serve. Whether the gods of your forefathers they serve beyond the river or the god of the Amorites. These people already, he's speaking to them because they already had traces or maybe even full-blown idolatries of these gods. Gods that they worshipped, that their forefathers worshipped on the other side of the river. Gods of the Amorites. We bring the priorities of our parents forward with us, even without thinking. Sometimes they're, they're great priorities. As I've talked with you, many of you have talked about the faith of your parents and how that has encouraged your faith. My parents, we never went to church when I was growing up. So the priorities of my family, one of the ones that I, I mean, we never explicitly said it. My, my dad didn't sit me down and teach me this, at least not on paper, but we lived it. The priorities of my family were work hard so you could play hard. That was the priority of my family. I mean, both of my parents worked. So I was, you know, I'd get off the bus and I'd spend the afternoon either at my aunt and uncle's house or I'd just go home and watch cartoons. My parents were working, getting ahead. On the weekends, from Friday night to Sunday night, that was either work in the yard, work hard, or go out on the boat or go do something. Like, weekends were like playtime. We never went to church on Sundays. We never made that a priority. Our priorities were work hard and play hard. Well, as I started living that out in my life, when I was in my 20s, so I, I graduated from university, and my senior year, I had an internship at, the, at this telecommunications company, a producer of telecommunications components. Um, and when I graduated from university, um, I think I took like a week or two off, uh, got married, and then like a week later started at that company. And I remember my mom joking that, you know, I was just, this is my first job and I think I was making more money than she was. My whole plan was to work hard, get ahead so I could retire early. That was my priority in life. That was the priority that I had taken from my parents. They never taught me that. But that's what I deduced from the way that we lived. And then the whole bottom of that fell out. My life took a change, and I am so grateful. But those were the priorities of my life. And I still feel it today. Like, I still feel it, my struggle to rely on God. My family, you worked hard. That's what you did. You made your own fortune. And so for me, I still wrestle with it. I am super conservative when it comes to our finances. Sometimes Tracy drives her crazy. Look at her, she's nodding her head. Yes. Please, Lord, please help us. <laughs> I'm super conservative. And part of that comes out of what I learned in my family, priorities I learned. And sometimes it's even a bit of a reaction to my parents. 
But it's, for me, it's a reliance on myself, not on God. I think of friends that we have. And I, I, don't, I didn't ask them if I could say this, but I think that they would be okay with it. I think of like Jenny and Nick Johnson. And some of the decisions that they made, I thought to myself, like, you guys are crazy. But I see how they relied on God. And they've modeled that for me. To places where I want to be more like them. Less reliant on, oh, well, this is what my budget allows. Or this is, what I, this is what I can figure out according to my brain or my plan. And relying more on the Lord. My point is that we take values from our parents. We bring them forward. Even things that they didn't mean to teach us, we bring them forward in our lives. We inherit them. And one of mine has been to take care of myself. And just last week, Dan and I, uh, Dan Knight and I, we were talking about this very thing, especially about finances. And he was talking about this painting by Howard Lyon. If you take a look at it, this is Jesus asked after he had calmed the storm. After he had calmed the storm, excuse me. And if you look left to right, what do you notice? In terms of the disciples. Close. As you move from left to right, let's, actually, if you move from right to left, you see people who are right to him, they are amazed at Jesus. They are focused on him. But then as you move left, and, and I read just the, the artist who made this painting, he had just a brief uh, commentary on it. He said, as you move to the left, you see less and less, or uh, just more and more reliance on themselves. All the way to the guy on the left, he's not even looking at Jesus. He's still bailing out the boat. Like, you know, you guys go ahead and, you know, give praise to Jesus I, we've got a boat that I still got to get the water out of because I'm afraid we still might sink. I was, Dan was talking about this, and as I was thinking about talking this morning, that this is one of the values I've learned from my parents, was you keep bailing. <laughs> if there's water in the boat, you bail it out until it's ready to float. I don't want to pass that on to my kids. I want my sons to work hard, to do all those things, to be good with their finances, but I don't want them to be self-reliant in the sense that they, don't, they rely on themselves more than they rely on God. I want my sons to trust Jesus, to trust him even when the rest of the world says, you know what, you're crazy. That is financially imprudent. <laughs> or financially, that's ridiculous. I want them to follow the Lord, to prioritize him. So our kids inherit our priorities. We need to be mindful of what we are showing them as parents and as a church. So grateful we have this model to follow in Joshua. I'm grateful he leads by example. Joshua stands up in front of these people and says, we have all these other gods among us. We have gods from our forefathers, from beyond the river, the Amorites. He's acknowledging, and he's not just saying it because it's theoretical. I think he's saying it because there was idol worship in the people. The people of God had lost their way. Some of them had, began, had begun worshiping other gods. And he's acknowledging that. And he says in public, in front of all of them, he says, but as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. He makes his public commitment. I also appreciate the fact that he begins with himself. 
Notice that he doesn't say, as for my house, they are going to serve the Lord. He says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But this is the most important thing we can do for our children, whether we are parents or grandchildren or senior members of our church family, the most important thing we can do is be growing in our own faith. Because if you're not, you don't have anything to teach. If we aren't growing in our own faith, all sorts of things can go wrong. We can teach our kids legalism. We can teach them nominal Christianity where it looks one way on Sunday and completely different Monday through Saturday. The most important thing we can do to encourage our kids to grow in faith is to be growing in our own faith. Not only then do we have something to teach them, but we have something good to teach them. And I believe as we are growing in our faith, we will want to encourage our kids more. To the point that I would say, if we don't want to help the children of our church grow in faith, then I would say there might be something wrong with our faith. There might be something off with our own faith if we don't want to help the kids of our church grow in their faith. It's interesting, though, uh, as I was reading it, it's, it's in Wayne Rice's book, uh, Generation, Generation. It's not very politically correct, but this is what the data says, that men, it is especially important for us. They said they've done studies that it's the example of fathers, whether it's for sons or for daughters, our faith is especially important. Our example is especially important. Now, there have been some amazing uh, church leaders throughout the history of the church who relied on their mom. Like one of them I'm thinking of is Augustine, St. Augustine. He was one of the most famous teachers in the church. His faith was largely encouraged by his mom, almost exclusively, actually. So that's not to say that if you, you know, that moms, you don't have any role in this. But the studies they've done say that men, it is especially important for us to be following God faithfully ourselves, and to be a good example, to be mentoring our children in faith. So men, it's especially important for us. But statistically speaking, it's the men who are most absent from church. I'm grateful. I don't think that really works out in our church family here. But that's the ironic thing. I mean, how many people know of that, that um, iconic image of the faithful mother bringing the kids to church while the dad sat at home? watching football <laughs> or whatever. I'm glad that, that I, I don't think that really plays out in our church, in this church family, but it's important for us men to hear this, that we model faith for our kids. It's especially, it's especially important for us. It's especially important for us to model it because... Um, Kids will learn a lot more by what we do than what we say. Right? The whole do as I say, not as I do, that doesn't work. We have to model by doing, by living it in front of them. That's how we encourage our kids in faith. And if we say, you know what, Jesus is the most important thing in my life, but there are other parts of our life that don't line up with that, our kids will pick it up. 
And sometimes when they're young, like my sons already, you know, they will say, Dad, why are you doing that? You, know, you talk about faith, but why are you doing this? Oh, right. Thanks for that. You're right. That's not right for me to do. And it only gets more complicated as they get older. They don't become less observant. They become more observant and more willing to say, Mom or Dad, like, I don't understand why we do this because I thought we were Christians. So we have to constantly live our faith. The other thing that I realized too is that it doesn't have to be perfect, but it needs to be real. It's ironic actually, the, the perfect faith, you know, when the parents try to model perfect faith or try to uh, protect their kids or keep any sort of personal struggle away from their kids, how that can actually hurt them. I've heard stories of people who said, you know, my, my dad was, he was so faithful, I could never be like him. Or my mom, like, all she did was read her Bible and pray. She was like a saint. I'm never going to be like her, so why try? How important it is for us to talk with our kids about our doubts, about the struggles we have. The times when we say, you know, son, I, I don't understand why God does it this way but I still believe in him. I still trust him, even though it's difficult. That's important for our kids to hear. That's important for them to hear the times in our lives when we sinned and we had to ask God for forgiveness. Sometimes when we, even I have to ask my sons for forgiveness, it's good for them to see that, that we, we have a real faith, that we are real people. It gives them access and sees that they can do this too, that they don't have to be perfect before they can belong, that they can belong, and then God perfects them. It's important for us. It signals to them that it's okay to grow in faith, to begin where you're at and grow. So let me just offer just three brief, just three ways that we can grow in our faith. One of them is gather on Sunday. Make it a priority to gather together to praise God for his own sake, but also for the sake of our kids. For the sake of each other. You know, it's important for us as parents to make it a priority for us to gather on Sundays so that our kids realize that this is important. It's one of those non-verbal ways. We just show up and they begin to get throughout their whole life, you know, year over year, that it's important to gather to praise God on Sundays. But it's also important for the church to gather on Sundays. I know sometimes I hear people say, like, yeah, you know, like I, I don't know, it's just, I've got other stuff kind of going, and so I, you know, I kind of make it here and there. You know, it's not always about you. It's not always about whether you like the worship or the preaching or the community. Sometimes it's about being here for the sake of others, being here for the sake of our kids children of our church. So it's important for us to gather as a church. I'd also say it's important for us to gather in groups. I know I say this all the time, but it's important for us to gather together throughout the week to pray for each other, to study God's word, maybe to share meals together. This is an important way for us to grow in faith. And it's also important for us to gather with God. I recognize that one. <laughs> oh, 
Maybe I don't recognize that one. <laughs> I thought that was Lucy. Um, they, they're not even worried. They're like, no, it's not ours. It's not us. Yeah. <laughs> You're really taking that like whole church pouring, pouring into Lucy right now. Not you guys, right? Um, daily devotions for us to gather with God. Together with the Lord to spend time with Him, reading Scripture, praying, fasting, solitude, um, numerous different practices or disciplines that we use to draw close to God. It's important for us to do those things as well. For our boys, for my sons to see me praying or for them to see me reading Scripture or studying God's Word. I still think of Dan, how often you tell the story about your dad, about him praying in tongues. And how formative, how important that's been for your faith. You know, we think, oh, our kids don't notice this, but they do. They notice. And they notice when they come to the church and they see those of you who aren't their parents, who aren't even like blood, sorry, blood relatives, they see you serving in our church. They see you faithfully helping others or contributing to this community. They see that. I think of people who have formed me, who aren't, who aren't related to me over my years of being in a church and the model that they set for me. Church, we are important to our children. And it's important the way that we live, that we model faith for them. These are just some of the ways that we do it. Gathering on Sunday, gathering in groups, and gathering with the Lord. It's important for us to make a commitment, to be committed, because there are choices in our community. There are choices in our culture, all sorts of other gods we can follow. Let us keep committing to follow the Lord our God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because our kids will inherit priorities. They will just inherit them. Even ones that we wish they'd never even seen, ones that we are ashamed that they picked up from us, they will pick them up. So let's make it a point to encourage them in the ones we want them to pick up, the ones we want them to have. We have a model in Joshua that we begin with ourselves and we make a commitment to grow ourselves and then to grow our families. I'm interested to hear from you. It says when it comes to passing our faith on to our kids, why is the commitment to grow in our own faith so important? What do you think of that? You know, because sometimes we think very directly. Well, why don't I just start teaching them? Why do I begin with myself? Why is this important? I'd like us to respond to God's word this week. Read this passage, reflect on it. It's short, it's just two verses. Give it some thought. And the other thing too is commit to at least one way to grow your own faith. Or recommit maybe is a better way to say it. Something that you're going to say, you know, I'm going to do this, whether it's I'm going to read at least some portion of scripture each day or I'm going to set aside five or 30 minutes to pray. Make one commitment to grow your own faith this week. All right?